Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Why are there so many black people in Paris? Believe it or not, Kevi Donat gets asked that question a lot. And usually he has a response. And that's a good thing since he's the founder of Le Paris Noir, a Paris walking tour company that specializes in helping clients get a view of the city of lights from a black perspective. We first met Kevi in 2017 when he was featured on the Black Expat. Then the Maltini Grace Parisienne discussed why he created his company to address the gaps in French history. Now, as we get to the end of 2020, He's sharing his thoughts on what's the same and what's changed since we last spoke. A lot has been happening in France when it comes to cultural identity, and we take a deep dive into that conversation. We also explore the immigrant landscape, why the word multiculturalism can be seen as a threat, and the increasing visibility of Black French stories. And lucky for us, Kevi has got some recommendations on the latter. Welcome to the Global Chatter. Kevi, bonjour, bonsoir, how are bonjour. you? <laughs> I'm very good, thank you for having me. I was about to say, uh, I was about to ask you how you're doing in French, but then I realized most of my audience doesn't speak French, <laughs> so I don't want to throw them <laughs> off, so. Um, are perfect. you in, tell me, are you in Paris right now? <laughs> I am in Paris You know, that's a moment. very French thing I, to I, say. <laughs> I'm not down in Paris. I was going to say, sorry, that's a bit. You live in Paris? Have you, I'm curious, yes. have you lived in anywhere else in France besides Paris? Yes, I, ha- I lived uh, three years in Bordeaux as a child, from six to nine. And then I studied in Rennes, mm-hmm. in the west of France. In, in Britain, I lived there for four years, four or five years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and tell me a little years. bit, even backing up. So let, let's... Ooh. Ooh, hold on. I think we have a delay. Kevi, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you, right? Okay, perfect. I thought we had a little bit of a delay. Um, let's let's back up a little bit. So you mentioned you lived in Rennes and you've lived in Bordeaux. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And was there a third place you lived outside of Paris or that was it? That was it for France. Okay. And I know that Martinique is part of your story. So for people who don't know... Tell us about Martinique. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm very used to introduce Martinique because when I introduce myself and I tell people I'm from Martinique, uh, if you're not French, you might never heard of it. So Martinique is a small island in the southern Caribbean, uh, north of St. Lucia. And mm-hmm. Martinique used to be a, a French colony, but we don't call it that anymore because the word colony doesn't really sound good. Uh, so the official mm-hmm. word is uh, part of the French overseas. So there's a bunch of territories all across all across the world that used to be French colonies and now are part of the French Republic. So if you were born there, you are therefore a French citizen. Mm. So is that like for like for Americans, for example, is that like the U.S. and Puerto Rico? That would be similar kind of. So I tell people our political status is somewhere between Hawaii and Puerto Rico. Because uh, I know that folks born in Puerto Rico who live in Puerto Rico, I'm not sure if they are voting for all the elections in America. Um. I'm I'm mm-hmm. not sure about that. Uh, and Puerto Rico has like a official flag and is in the Olympics and everything. Martinique is not. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So halfway in between, I got you. And so tell me about even Martinique. Like what's the makeup? What's the demographics? Who lives there? Black and brown folks, white folks? Like who's in Martinique? Yes, so so Martinique is a typical uh, Caribbean island whose most of the population is Afro-descendant, which means people who who are uh, the great-grandchildren of enslaved Africans, uh, mixed with people from different Mm. parts of the world, especially uh, from South Asia. Uh, after the abolition of slavery, for multiple reasons, there's been important migrations of people from India. So, so there is that. And of course, um, there's, a, there's also a connection with, with Europeans, which is not always a, a very mm-hmm. um, easy identity to, to, to navigate. But Martinique is, uh, I would say, part of the Black Atlantic. Hmm. Mm, very cool. And, and that's actually a very cool term. I love hearing even like Black Atlantic because I never think about it that way, but that's such an awesome way to describe yeah. it. And so is was your family originally from there and how did you live there or what's your relationship? So I grew up there. I was born and I grew up there most of my youth. Uh, my parents are both from Martinique. My my father grew up in Martinique and my mom grew up in Africa and in France. My mom grew up uh, in Ivory Coast and Togo and then in France. Uh, and she moved back mm. to Martinique as a young adult. So I also have uh, a, a sort of different perspective because a, a good part of my mother's family on my mother's side lives actually in, in mainland France. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. And so how did I guess for you as a as a child and as a young man, how did you see your own identity within family being from Martinique, having a mother who's lived in different continents? And then, of course, France being the the the, the motherland, if you will. Well, for me, it has been uh, what you would call uh, in an American context, you will call that code switch, code switching. So from six to mm-hmm. nine, I lived in, in the southwest of France. And then when I moved back to Martinique, uh, I could not speak Creole anymore. I had a southern French accent and it was awkward and it was not very welcome. Uh, 
So I, by the age of mm-hmm. nine or 10, I understood that the way you speak to different people is important, uh, that sometimes people get offended just because you say something a certain way and it's not your fault, but it's the background that is mm-hmm. attached to the way you speak. And so this is something for mm-hmm. me that helped me quite young to try not to be completely focused or to think that something is normal everywhere you know like everybody every culture has their mm-hmm. own things that are welcome or front upon so that that's what it, it brought mm-hmm. me uh, from a very young age especially uh, uh questions of white and black identity like uh, you 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 go to france and you, then you come back to martinique and some people accuse you of becoming white I'm like no i'm still a black person what mm. are you talking about so, so there, there is this mm. relationship that has always been first challenging and then for me now it's just fun. Hello? So I think what's, yeah, I, I can hear you. Sorry, it, 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 it caught a little bit quiet, but we're good. Oh. I think what's interesting to me is okay. how you, you learned how to code switch really young and and ultimately i think that that's going to be something that's helpful in in the work that we talk about what you're doing right now and so obviously you were navigating between martinique and france and so i guess my my curiosity is at what age did you move back to or not back to but what at what age did you move to france permanently as an adult yeah uh age 20 uh, age 20 okay. as a student, and this is when uh, I moved to Rennes to study political studies there. Okay. And so um, I, I assume, like other people, it's probably because most of the main universities, if you wanted to study, were going to be in France, right? Unless they're, they're major universities in Martinique. There's a there's a university of Martinique, but I was accepted in a in a very good school. So mm-hmm. I for me it was it was uh, um, almost anticipated that at some point I would move to France to study. Okay, okay. So now, so take us to this point. You're in France, young man. You've been in Martinique. We've already talked about code switching. Did you feel now that you've gone back to France? Did you feel that tension now living in France as a as a young black man who grew up in Martinique? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there were a lot of challenges, like cultural challenges. It's a different, it's a different country. Even though, like technically, I have a French passport, like everything is so mm-hmm. different. So, so I had to adjust. But I, I must say that I feel like I was quite lucky when I moved to Rennes, which is not mm-hmm. a really big city. It, I mean. It's not a small town, but it's not a huge city like Paris. And I would say social encounters a little bit softer, more gentle than than in Mm -hmm. Paris, the big city. So I made friends quite easily. And we just all came from different parts of France and we were making fun of our differences. But it was not like really a, a subject of... I don't know, uh, animosity or me feeling rejected or something like that. It was not easy every day, but uh, I was blessed uh, to, to, to make friends quite, quite fast enough. And they became like a, almost like a new family to me. Mm. And so how long, how long were you in Rennes? 
I was there uh, back and forth because at some point I moved to Barcelona for one year. I studied uh, in different parts, but mostly I, I spent four or five years in hand. Okay. And then where did you, where did you go from there? So I uh, studied one year abroad in Barcelona as a Erasmus, you know, the European exchange program. So I studied uh, in Barcelona for one year. It was uh, very interesting, not necessarily on an <laughs> academic level, but more on a cultural <laughs> and human level. Uh, it was very um, inspiring and challenging in the way that um, everything was Euro something, you know, like uh, come to the Euro party, huh. uh, we all Europeans. And when I was meeting with people and they would ask me, uh, okay, so everybody would introduce themselves. Okay, I'm Paolo, I'm Italian or me, I'm German. And then I would say I'm French. And then people would ask French from where? I would say Martinique. Then people would say Martinique. <laughs> It's in the Caribbean. What are you talking about? You're not really French. Or, and, and then I wow. it raised so many questions about myself. I was not necessarily uh, offended, but I was like, yeah, that, these Germans are right. Why, why, do, why don't I challenge this identity a little bit more? And then uh, a year after that, when I moved back to Rennes, some of, my white, uh, some of, some of the white people of my, of my school, of my cohort, because we all spent a year abroad when we all came back to France, they were like, you know what? I spent six months in this mm -hmm. country i've not seen i've not seen a single black person in a, in six months and it's a, it's amazing i uh, it, <laughs> it, it, um, it led them to ask themselves a lot of questions about why are there black people in france etc etc so so yeah i, I think traveling <laughs> is also um leading to lots of really um questions that you don't necessarily address before being exposed to your new environment so let me ask you, because I feel like you, you've touched on something really powerful. It's this idea of you're meeting other people and they don't, it seems like they don't necessarily assume that you are French, right? Is that yep. correct? Yeah, of course. And of course. so, and, and so, man, I want to dive into that, especially, <laughs> especially someone who's living in Europe. What, when people tend to think of the French, and I, I already know the answer to my own question, but what is it that you think that they assume or perceive? Well, um, the first thing is when you talk about France, especially as between young European men, it's a lot of stereotypes about what a real French person is. And not being French, mm -hmm. not being perceived as French is not always a problem if you're Italians or Spaniards who don't like French people so much. Like, no, 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 you're not like uh, these really arrogant, dumb French people. You're not like them. You, you, I don't see you uh, as, a, as a French guy. So it's, it's not necessarily an insult. Um, but then on a more uh, serious uh, level, um, it is, I, I, I would say that France um, presents itself as a European country, which which it is. But France is also uh, a country that is present for a long time in the Caribbean, in the Pacific Ocean, in the Indian Ocean, and still is. And uh, and mm -hmm. France is not really introducing this part uh, to the world. Doesn't really know how to address that. Does not really. Um, consider itself as something more, something else than European. So when I'm in the middle of Europe, surrounded by Europeans, sometimes 
I'm like, what am, what am I doing here? I, I, sh I should, instead of like trying to, to befriend Germans and Swedish people, uh, maybe I should meet with people from St. Lucia or people from Haiti or Jamaica or Trinidad and Tobago. And sometimes it feels to me that because we're still mm -hmm. in a way a French colony, these opportunities were taken away from us. Uh, we are always going to be, you know, part mm -hmm. of the European Union and doing things with people who do not really uh, see us as like their own kind. And for me, that's also something that we need to address. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I so tell me. <laughs> well, no, you you told no, you totally did. Be and 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 to be fair to you, it was a loaded question, right? <laughs> because <laughs> I'm, I'm asking you to sort of get to get in the mind of of someone who's not you to answer that question. And so I so I'm curious then, you know, even this concept of French identity, right? Um, yep. I I'm I'm curious as to as to how you see the country in reality and also theoretically sees multiculturalism because you just mentioned all these places right and and we if anybody doesn't know my family is Cameroonian right so all these places that that France has had a foothold in and so how do you think then it i guess the country sort of sees multiculturalism when you have all these people that maybe have, are, are, are French, but are not necessarily seen as French. Yep. So I, I think France is already a de facto a very multicultural country, uh, not only in Paris. Like people uh, sometimes want to say that it's only Paris that is multicultural, but it's not true. If you go to, to Marseille, mm -hmm. to Lyon, to Lille, to Bordeaux, lots of different parts uh, of urban France, you will see lots of diasporas and a lot of, yeah, a lot of people from different parts of the world being born French and seeing themselves as French people. I think the problem is more on a political, intellectual level where words like multicultural mm -hmm. are very scary to uh, a French traditional Republican, and I use air quotes when I say Republican, uh, mindset who, who would accept right. that. Like, <laughs> the, the idea of talking about identity too much for a lot of French people is a threat. So if you, myself, mm. for instance, I work as a tour guide, I do tours about the black history of, of Paris, focusing on, on uh, people from mm -hmm. the US, the Caribbean or Africa who spent uh, some time in Paris at some points, uh, intellectuals, artists, and so on. And for some white French people, uh, they don't like it. They, they think uh, one should not uh, uh, delve too much into uh, uh, like the the history of a, of a minority or community, because in France, there's no such thing as a minority or a community. Everybody's French and equal and the same. Um, so, of course, uh, the reality is way more complex than that. And so that's why I, I think uh, mm -hmm. issues of blackness in France have to be addressed. <laughs> and so... I mean, and that's so very, I think, to a certain degree, very different in the, U in the U.S., right? Oh, yeah. Is that, oh, yeah. to, to, to I, point, I, I guess we get, yeah. go. 
No, I was saying to the point go that ahead, whenever someone, someone, whenever someone is is trying to uh, engage on a conversation about identity, what you would call identity politics, uh, the reaction here is to say this is Americanization. Mm-hmm. This is this is uh, you are mm. being inspired by conversations that are legitimate in America, but are, but are not in France because we don't have problems of discrimination, of racism, of police brutality, of a mm. difficult colonial past. So we don't we don't have to talk about all of these things like that. And I'm like, okay, France, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, wait, hold on. So, and that's the thing that has fascinated me more than anything about France, right? Is that I wondered about this. I, I, I get the idea in theory, right? That you want people to be seen as one, right? Because if they see themselves as one, they move as one. I get that. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think that to ignore that you have different groups kind of create some of the the problems that people don't want to admit that they are there. And so, you know, I, I have been, I, I, you know, the fact that you said the Americanization, I was just thinking about that because obviously in the U S as everyone sees our media, (laughs) we talk about everything, whether anybody wants to talk about it or not. Right. And, and so I wonder then, I wonder then from your experiences and just what you've seen, there are so many dynamic groups in France, right? So just even coming with a Caribbean identity or an African identity or an Arab identity, where, where do you think, where have been the problems in, in, in not addressing the fact that there are differences? Like, where do you see, you know, this idea of being one is great, but this is the impact, um i would i would say um in different um elements in different fields uh, i would say that i i see this lack of a conversation around identity i would say for instance if you if you talk about cultural representation um if you if you talk about what you see on tv or in movies mm-hmm. the presence of black people on french pop culture is bad really really mm. bad to the point mm. if you're my age I'm, I'm in my 30s and you grew up watching french tv and american tv you you, you would be mm-hmm. like kind of ashamed of french tv i know of course there is a lot of racism in america but at the same time i grew up watching the french prince of bel-air and i had examples of young black people doing cool stuff and doing their own things being unapologetic you would never see that mm. uh, on french tv or oh, it's very very recent uh, when we talk about how big it is or how bad it is, I would tell you that the first black man to, um, how do you say that, to be uh, the anchor uh, on the news, you know, on, mm-hmm. on, on the news, like yes. uh, on TV, on yes. the, on the yeah. major French channel, on TF1, I think it was in 2005. That's very, very late. So, so wow. on that, on, on, and, and so whenever you, you would love to, whenever you wanted to uh, raise a question about, hey, wait a minute, how come there's no black people on TV or every black person on TV is a 
is an awful caricature. How come people will tell you, oh, I don't see color. It's not really important. It's just a detail. It doesn't really matter. So that's one example. Something else that I've realized uh, doing my research for my tour is also in politics. Uh, if you think of France mm. in the 1950s, before decolonization, at a time when the French uh, Republic was trying to hold on uh, on their colonies, if you watch pictures of the 1950s, whether it's the Senate, the government, or uh, the House, you would see more black men than in 2020. So, so in, in that way, mm. in the 1960s, there was decolonization. Okay, everybody, everybody go home. Everybody, or almost everybody is independent right now. And all of a sudden, all the institutions became completely white to the point that, and, and it feels like our history was whitewashed. Uh, for 20 years, between the, the late 40s and the late, uh, late 1960s, the president of the French Senate was a black man from French Guiana. Uh, and wow. nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers that. It was like number two in the hierarchy of power. <laughs> like, right. No other European country would do something like that. France did. And it was weird and amazing at the same time. And 50 years later, there's no Black History Month. Mm -hmm. We don't know about the guy. Everybody forgot about him. <laughs> so not talking about, so, not talking about uh, so, that is allowing these kind of things to happen, I think. <laughs> And so can I just add, I don't know if you know, so why, why is that history not like, for, well, let, forget that part. This is the real question. Why in that period of time were there more, was there more visible black leadership than there is now? Because France used to have a lot of colonies. These colonies were mostly in North Africa, West Africa, Equatorial Africa. So at some point, if you're trying to be mm -hmm. a democracy and you're trying to keep these territories, of course, they have to be represented in the parliament. So you had people mm. like Sangor before, before he became the president of Senegal. He was a congressman in the French parliament, right. involved in the, in the writing of right. the constitution. Uh, same thing for the right. president of Côte d'Ivoire, Félix Oufouet-Boigny. He was a very important mm -hmm. minister in the French government. He was, the, the, at some point, the secretary of public health uh, in France. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so like, you were trying the, to keep the... It's so different, yeah. Wow. So, uh, so then I guess here's the, <laughs> what do you think right now, just from your, and I'm picking on you because I know you went to Le Sciences Po, <laughs> yep. just from your political history reading and whatnot. Um, why do you think right now the representation, are, are people still fighting to get into those positions and what's keeping the representation from being what it needs to be to represent all of France? I am not sure, to be honest. Yes, of course, there are still uh, some fights uh, to improve representation. And I would tell you that in the past few years, it got a little bit better. Uh, there are a couple of movies who made me happy uh, about uh, how black people are in our society, uh, in politics. Mm -hmm. Well, it's... It's very complicated. There are like a, a few black politicians who are visible, but uh, they're not my cup of tea. Let's say it like that. Um, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, so so it's still a work in progress. I would say that um, 
on my side, with some friends, we started a, a podcast uh, like three years ago, and it's all about um, pop culture and a black point of view on pop culture. And it was something quite new and surprising in France, uh, like uh, in mm-hmm. like for French media to to think of. Uh, pop culture as something that could be uh, analyzed through the lens of race is <laughs> something really, really, I would not say controversial, but like very surprising to the point that I don't know if you, if you think of a movie like Get Out, like a, yeah. like a, a French journalist could almost uh, see the movie and say, yeah, the movie was very interesting, but I don't see anything so racial about it. You know, <laughs> that level <laughs> of, of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay so <laughs> i mean that movie was so racial if you missed it I, you you weren't trying to find it <laughs> yeah so okay so then here's here's what i'm i'm curious then right so obviously grew up in martinique grew up in france and we'll talk about le paris noir in a moment but yeah Are you telling me then when you think about media, right? So if you're a young black or brown person in media, are you then, if if you're seeing black and brown representation, at least up until the recent time, are you really seeing it from the U.S. or other parts of the world or you're not seeing it at all? You see it from the U.S. a lot because of the of the of the power of American culture. Of course, everybody is exposed to to that culture, and I would say I would think that for a French minority, it is easier sometimes to look up to American culture because you see a representation of minorities who are empowered and who have agency, uh, who are not just like mm. uh, the magical Negro or the the young thug or something like, but something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, th- there there is a, a field I think where um, brown and black people in France take more and more pride. It's French hip hop. Like there is a, a, a like a, a strong <laughs> French culture of hip hop that is led by people of different racial uh, backgrounds, but mostly minorities. And I would say that if you look at some uh, rap, some French rappers, of course, what they're doing is inspired by American uh, culture, but there's they are also inspired by things coming from African or Caribbean culture. And they are, yeah, they are like French icons right now. So it's not just looking up to uh, uh, Black, American, Black American culture. There's also through music, I would say, not only, but especially through music, mm-hmm. the expression of a Black French identity or like a, uh, a French counterculture. Nice. And I'm going to hit you up about some suggestions later on. So you need to you need to start making a list (laughs) in your mind. (laughs) Okay. so. All right. We're going to I'm going to hit the stop to take a pause. We're going to reset and then I'm going to get into Le Paris Noir. So you've already alluded to this and I I want to get into this because I think what you're doing is super, super cool in, in, in France. So you have a project called Le Paris Noir. That's right. And so, and so for the people who don't know, tell them what Le Paris Noir is. Le Paris Noir is an assemble of tours in Paris, walking tours where I take people around 
following the steps of important black icons from the black world who at some point moved to Paris. And for me, the, the idea started uh, about seven years ago. I was already a tour guide. I was already doing walking tours in, in Paris. But at the time, I was working for a company who was doing tours for mostly Americans, but it was not about minorities or post-colonial studies, black studies or anything like that. It was a very, let's say, mainstream Paris. And I enjoyed the, the work as a tour guide, but it feels to me, it felt to me something was, was missing. Uh, I had a lot of questions from, you know, international tourists coming to Paris for the very first time and being surprised by, let's say, the diversity of, of the population in Paris. So I had a lot of questions that were basically asking me, why are there so many black people here? So this is how it started. <laughs> so, Sorry, no, but that's seriously. always a funny question to me. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, uh-huh. but, but to me, the idea is powerful. The question is powerful because if you go to New York City for the first time, you're not surprised uh, if you see black people there because yeah. because of TV movies right. and pictures and everything. And why yeah. are you surprised when you come to, to Paris when there's lots of movies being shot in Paris? It's because black people are not really part of it. Uh, so I think right. that's an example why representation representation matters so much. So, so and this so is how yeah, the project When someone goes on a tour... And so I was going to say, so when someone goes on a tour with you, are you, you're doing the tours both in English and in French, correct? Yes, that's right. And so where, where are your, where are your clients coming from? Are they coming from France, other parts of Europe, around the world? Where, where do you, where are they coming from? So before COVID, it was mostly Americans. Um, yeah, mostly Americans. So it could be uh, tourists or students, for instance. I worked with a lot of American schools. And now that 2020 is such a mess, you already know, uh, most of the, of the clients... <laughs> are French people. So I do mostly tours on the weekend, on Saturday and Sundays, group tours for French people, uh, black, white, brown. And um, and I take up to 20, 25 people and I show them around. And people are very interested in these questions right now because because Black Lives, black lives Matter is a, is a real issue, is a real questions. Uh, will question, sorry, uh, here in France, we have issues of police brutality. Also, there's a lot of, there, there are a lot of young black people who are born here and who know nothing about their identity, nothing about their history. And uh, to, mm. to hear that there is a, a walking tour showing the contributions of black people has a real significance for them because it means in a way they are legitimate to, to be walking, uh, uh, with their head high, uh, uh their chin up, uh, in, 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 in the center of Paris, in these beautiful streets, they are a hundred percent, uh, allowed and, and they should be proud of their, of their, of that history. And so I'm curious because you 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 obviously are seeing a lot of French groups during this period and you've been seeing a lot of North American groups before. What do you think is are the responses different to the information that you're sharing? Of course, of course. Uh, yes, yes. So I would say um, 
that the first interesting reactions I get from Americans is when I start the introduction explaining how the conversation around identity is different. And one example that is really surprising to them is when I start saying uh, France is probably the most uh, diverse country in Europe, but I say probably because we don't have official numbers about it. There's no ethnic statistics. There's no ethnic statistics in France. And the first reaction is, you mean you don't have a census in France? And I say, yeah, of course. Of course, there's a very serious census for a very long time in France. And they ask you dozens of questions, nothing about your race. And they're like, oh, but why do you do a census for them mm. if you're not asking that? So it just shows how it is two different worlds, two different political uh, words or worlds. Uh, so, so, so that's uh, a very American reaction, uh, I would say. And on the French side, um, one question I get a lot is, why don't we ever hear about that? Why don't we know about the president of the Senate? Mm. Why don't we know that there's been a representation of black people in France, at least um, since the French Revolution? Uh, you know, when I talk about uh, the first black congressman, mm -hmm. it's in the 1790s, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't know that. Mm -hmm. Or even the idea that, you know, in France, um, school is in a way uh, the same. What I mean is the curriculum is the same for everybody in every school in France. So what mm -hmm. you're going to study in your school in Lille is the same as in Marseille, is, as, is the same as in Martinique. And before 2001, uh, the history of slavery and transatlantic slave trade was not part of the national curriculum. So... To the point that there are a lot of people mm. who are uh, my age uh, who grew up in mainland France, and the only thing they learned uh, in school is like, uh, I don't know, like three or four lines uh, in their textbook, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get... Um do you ever get pushback? Do you ever get people who are like, who think that maybe you're being too political or <laughs> problematic in what you're what you're sharing what i have well on the tour no uh on paper a lot <laughs> so when, when, <laughs> I, when, when i when i start the tour uh i don't really uh care of your political opinion who you vote for everybody's going to be treated the same and i'm going to be nice and polite with everybody uh, so no matter what is your opinion, I'm open to talk about it and I'm an adult and we can have conversations. The problem is people who never took the tour and have their own agenda and opinion about what I'm doing. So it happened a couple of times that I'm doing a, a, a walking tour with a couple of people while on, on the tour and someone who is not part of the tour sees a group of black people with a black tour guide talking about history and they want to share what is on their mind. And uh, sometimes it gives, mm. um, it, yeah, so, sometimes it, it, it gets, um, I try to de-escalate, but at the same time, I still have to be, you know, respected when I'm doing my my work. So mm -hmm. uh, one very significant example is uh, in uh a street in the neighborhood of Saint-Germain, there is a plaque dedicated to a young uh, 
Algerian French Frenchman was uh, killed by the police in the 1980s. So, so there's a, a plaque with his name on the street, uh, explaining mm-hmm. what happened. But one element is one element is missing is who killed him? The police. So it says Malik was killed in 1986. <laughs> it was 22. It was a protest, and he was killed. And for years now, activists uh, write down by the police. Par la police. So I was explaining it uh, maybe one or two years ago to uh, a family of black folks from Tennessee. And all of a sudden, an old white French woman interrupted me, asking me, why are you talking about that? And I replied, because this is my job. This is part of what I do, et cetera, et cetera. And she asked me, why don't you talk about the resistance? You know, the people who fought the Nazis in the 1940s. And I was like, that's, that's, that's not what the tour is all about. And, and so I, I started the conversation and I said, okay, have a good day, man. And, and yeah, and my two Americans were like, yeah, what is happening? And I replied, well, you remember the introduction? Where I told you that some French people don't like talking about identity. Here is a case. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's that. I, I, the the. The idea that somebody would interrupt someone in the middle of their work to give their opinion about what they should be talking about. Yeah, yeah, I I can't. (laughs) I mean, and and so do you do you find that in the work that you've done, I, and I know you've been doing this for several years now, are there things that you've learned that you didn't even know when you first started doing this work? A million things. And that's why I want to to be very humble uh, about it because uh, some, especially black French people on the tour, um, they say, oh my God, I, I feel ashamed. I didn't know about that. I shouldn't know. And I said, listen, I studied political studies. I grew up in Martinique. I lived uh, for a long time in the neighborhood in Paris where all these black uh, intellectuals were. And I worked a couple of years as a tour guide, and I knew almost nothing about them. And if you don't really know anything about James Baldwin living in Saint-Germain and writing masterpieces in the middle of Paris, it's not only your fault. It's because the city of Paris and the educational institutions don't talk about him so much or um, as much as he would deserve. So let's all be very humble about it. And here is a, a list of books or documentaries that could help if you want to dig a little bit more and myself doing these Mm. tours i have met with so many interesting people that helped me uh to shape the tour uh for instance i i work with um american students so american universities and american teachers and professors and Mm -hmm. uh there are so many talented people doing amazing things uh in uh, african studies black studies etc that are um like some sort of support uh for the tour i've been doing this tour for seven years but it keeps um evolving and changing and it's because mm-hmm. of all the research and the connections I have been able to to have to get. And so let me let me ask let me ask you this because it is Le Paris Noir and I and I think I know the answer to this, but in your tours and in your history and what you're sharing, 
is it a broader black experience? So is it is it history of black, you know, black French? Is it history including black America, black Africa? Like what's 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 the black that's in it? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, it's a very good question. And it's a, a question I get often. Um, I'm, I'm not the first uh, black person doing tours of the black history of Paris, but I think I was the first French one to also trying to include a black French narrative. What I mean is before there were tours that were mostly talking about James Baldwin, Richard Wright, uh, Josephine Baker, and many uh, amazing mm-hmm. American artists who spent some time in Paris. But I also wanted to mm-hmm. include La Negritude and Alexandre Dumas and mm-hmm. the history of the African soldiers during World War II. So that was very important to mm-hmm. me. And when I say black, I try to be as wide uh, as as possible. The idea here is not trying to to say mm-hmm. that uh, black Americans are not part of that experience because they had a different position in Paris. No, I, I think uh, Paris is actually a, a city where black people from different parts of the world throughout the the 1900s, it was a place where they could meet and compare their experience experiences and their visions. It was not always easy. There's been lots of dispute, Mm. but there's always been this sort of, yeah, this sort of place where someone from Senegal would meet someone from Martinique, would meet someone from Chicago, would meet someone from French Guiana and Congo, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that's what I'm trying to do. Mm. And so I'm, I'm curious, especially as, as we're in the, you know, the 2020s and this has been a very big conversation as, as you're telling these histories and you're telling these stories, do you, do you get to the point of current events? Like, for example, we, you know, obviously you being in France and being in Europe, immigration and immigration has actually been a big issue, I think in France for a long time, but it's been yeah. very big an issue late of the last couple of decades. Do you get up to the point in terms of current history or, or current events, or do you leave it at a certain point in history? No, that, that was important to me to include current events, because if it was only about things that happened a hundred years ago, I, I could be in a room telling people stories. But if, if I, if I take people around, I also need to, to talk about what is happening at the moment, uh, in Paris. So I have two main tours, one that is more historical. Uh, on the left bank of Paris, another one that is more, much more about the past 30, 40 years. Uh, we go to a neighborhood named La Goutte d'Or mm. around Chateau Rouge. And it's, um, it's, a, it's not really an African neighborhood. It's more, it's even more than that. It's an African hub. Like you have like markets mm. and tailors and, uh, and uh, hair salons and um, cafes and restaurants and places for uh, the African diaspora. And it's a neighborhood that has a, a bad reputation. I remember a few years ago uh, in America on Fox News, they called the neighborhood a no-go zone, uh, which is, it is not a no-go zone. I've been... Uh, running tours there for seven years and it's not the jihad or anything like that. Uh, it's a very interesting working <laughs> right. class, vibrant immigrant African uh, area. Uh, and uh, and it's also uh, a way to talk about difficult times 
difficult moments. We talk about, for instance, mm -hmm. deportation of African immigrants. Uh, it is something that took place mm -hmm. uh, in the neighborhood uh, in the 1990s, for instance. But we talk also about uh, the evolution of a sort of French Afro culture. You have, uh, for instance, a lot of mm. um, members of La Sap. La Sap is this movement that is originally from Congo of some sort of African dandies, African dappers. Uh, and so mm -hmm. Chateau Rouge is the place where, where they meet. So there's, this, yeah. <laughs> so there's this guy uh, named Le Bachelor. And Le Bachelor is the leader of all the sappers. And so when, he's, uh, when his shop is open, he's always uh, like welcoming us and sharing anecdotes, funny stories with us. And so it is it is a very interesting place where there are also questions of gentrification uh so yeah yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. i the, the current events also that i mentioned i don't want to uh only talk about you know dead um novelists or something like that but also about what is happening at the moment <laughs> No, that's that's a really good point because you you can only talk about the dead novelists so much and and they get a lot of attention, yeah. but I think the work that you are doing is something we don't we don't hear as much and so. Uh, given with that, I mean, I know that France, like other European nations, kind of, you know, was obviously impacted by the migration that's been that's been happening. And how do you see in a more expanded conversation? How do you think France is is wrestling with immigration now in the 2020s? How do you how do you what does the conversation look like? I think it's a very toxic conversation uh, because. I think it's very important to use the right words uh, when we have like uh, very uh, sensitive political discussions. And it feels to me that a lot of French people, including a lot of French politicians, don't know what is an immigrant uh, to the point that whenever there are, I don't know how to call it, but let's say urban problems, people blame it on immigration, on immigrants, when actually immigration in France right now is not so high. They are talking about people of color. And for a lot of French people, a person of color is always an immigrant. So uh, mm. like they, they would tell you that their country is being taken away from them by immigrants when the statistics about immigration are not proving that. What they mean is they see people of color around them and it's challenging them. It, it raises questions about the way history is going to be told. It raises questions about the way religion is going to be um, discussed in our country. But it's not immigration. So I, I, I think that's two separate conversations. And in France, we, we tend to, in a way, to, mm -hmm. I don't know, to create confusion uh, with, with that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think a, a, an example, like a more concrete example I, I could give you is the fact that a lot of uh, black French people get very offended if you ask them, where are you from? Or what are your origins? Like, uh, oh, is it because I'm black that you're asking me this question? If I was mm -hmm. a white person, a white French person, you would not ask me that question. I was born in, in Marseille or in Strasbourg. Uh, leave me alone. So because there is mm -hmm. the assumption that if you are a person of color, therefore you are an immigrant. I don't, I don't get offended by the question, where are you from? 
uh, in France, uh, honestly, because I was born in Martinique. So when someone asked me, KV, where are you from? <laughs> I said, I'm from Martinique. End of the conversation. They were like, okay, cool. I see. But my friends who are born in Paris, etc., they get a little bit, they feel more attacked uh, when you conflate the, the, the concept of, yeah, black equals immigrant. Mm. Mm. Uh, um, and do you think that uh, and i was gonna ask i was gonna ask a follow-up question just you know i i actually will watch a little bit of french media just to see what's happening <laughs> outside yeah. of the u.s because you know Sorry. sometimes you need to um, <laughs> i mean it's, i mean you know it's only fair the rest of you who kind of get sucked into american politics whether you want to or not but <laughs> I, I, I'm so I, I'm curious though. Are you feeling like just over the last ten years? Do you think the conversation has gotten more toxic, or it's it's just been it hasn't gotten more? It's just been that way the whole time. I think it has been that way the whole time, but I also think a sort of you know colorblind. Uh, conversation like this sort of French Republican propaganda of there's no there's no such thing as an ethnic minority we we don't know what you're talking about it worked uh, at, at at least at the surface it worked for some times but now I think for younger generation and when I talk about younger generations I'm not only talking about black people I'm also talking about white people there are conversations mm-hmm. that 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 have to be addressed right now uh you, you i was telling you before about the americanization of uh the mm-hmm. french political uh, debate it's not only you know uh young black uh left-wing activists who are inspired uh by uh, american politics it's also on the far right uh you have young white french mm. people talking <laughs> about white genocide uh, a few months ago, right after the death of George Floyd, there was a massive, there were a lot of protests in Paris about police brutality, but the biggest one was very um, uh, amazing because it was in Place de la République and it was like uh, a protest led mostly by people of color and there was a sort of counter-protest organized by white supremacists and they got on top of a building with a huge banner with written on the banner, uh, stop the white genocides, uh, white lives matter in English. And I saw that and I was like, okay, who is being Americanized right right now? Because this is exactly the language of the American alt-right. So Mm. I think these issues uh, are changing and maybe it gets a little bit more aggressive than before. You can tell that right now at the moment you hear a lot of, um, uh, I would say reactionary talking points. Uh, for instance, when you have debates around freedom of speech, uh, you would have uh, white boomers telling you that because of social justice warriors, we can't say anything anymore and we're losing our freedom of speech. Uh, so, yeah, so very mm-hmm. similar to something you would hear on, in an American media. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Mm. And I so let's take it even broader, broader, because I know that, unfortunately, in the last very recent weeks that there's been some violence, obviously, in in France and and that 
in, like I said, even though, you know, I'm based in the U.S., that that information managed to pierce the middle of our election cycle. And so how do you, and, and this is just a dream question, really, how do you think that France is going to be able to sort of reconcile these different groups, as well as having these other individuals who just feel like France is changing so much from whatever ideal that they thought it was, mm-hmm. that it, it, that they're not necessarily willing to or want to kind of embrace some of these other black and brown folks, because I know it's more than just obviously the black identity. There's an Arab identity. Sometimes it's a black Arab identity, but Mm -hmm. you know, how, how do you think France is even going to be able to even tackle some of these issues? I'm not sure. So when, when you talk about, uh, for instance, uh, black issues, you would talk more about, I would say, uh, inclusion, uh, education, and things like that. When you talk about uh, the Arab or the North African issue, you talk about secularism or laicite uh, in France, which is this idea that uh, in public affairs, in politics, in government, there should not be anything religious at all, uh, which is like a very big deal in France. And it was something that is a consequence of the French political history, the history of the revolution, the history of the French Republic, and so on. But right now, this concept in a way, is instrumentalized or weaponized against Muslims to the point that you have politicians. When I say politicians, I'm not talking about like the fringe. I'm talking about politicians in our government um, who are being offended uh, because you find halal food in every supermarket supermarket in France. And they say, uh, this is not a good thing for French assimilation to have uh, um, ethnic or religious uh, foods uh, in every supermarket. That's not the way you promote unity in France. Uh, so when you, mm-hmm. are, when you are obsessed with tiny, trivial detail like that, um, it just shows how the prejudice is big uh, in the, I would say, um, on every level is is what I mean. So uh, I I think we have to be a little bit less uh, dogmatic about some... um, ideological principles and we we should stop weaponizing um things that were conceptualized 100 or 150 years ago uh to stop having real conversations about real things happening at the moment like uh islam is the second religion in france you don't have to use laicite to uh uh in a way to persecute uh such a big minority i I think it's it's completely nonsense and and whenever we're doing something like this in france we think everybody on the planet is on board with us you know like a few years ago it was Mm -hmm. muslim women were being harassed when they were going to the beach because they were uh some of them were wearing a full swimsuit do you know what i'm talking about Yeah, and so, yep, the po- I do. Yeah, so, so, so the police was basically disturbing them, telling them, sorry, ma'am, y- you have to strip down right now because your outfit does not represent, does not respect the Republic. And, and everybody <laughs> on the was like, what the hell, friends? Who does that? And, uh, 
And like, okay, we're the only ones. Oh, but, but that's for their own good. It's for their own individual freedom. Don't you understand? It's like, no, you, 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 it, this is just like, yeah, you're going to get in trouble doing stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, so, so sometimes we, we should, I think, as a country, take a step back and look a little bit how the others, liberal democracies, are doing uh, before being so, mm-hmm. like, we sure that's the way to assure uh, democracy or whatever. Yeah. Do you... Uh... So do you think then, I, I'm asking you these do you think questions, you could, say, you could push back, but do you think then that if you are, if you, are there differences between, just from your, in, your experience, black and brown folks who are, let's say, first, second generation in France and they see these issues versus maybe black and brown folks who have come recently who are for lack of a better term immigrants so like yeah is there do you are you are you seeing a generational difference in just how how to even uh, react to france with all of these things okay and, and i'm talking specifically yeah. with black and brown yeah so tell me more i think i think everybody has a connection to what we call le bled Le, le bled is, is, is not a, a, a specific place. The bled could be like a small town or village. And it's a concept that every uh, child of immigrant has. Like if your parents are from Cameroon and you live in Paris or in the suburbs of Paris, you would say that this summer you're going back to le bled, which is the, 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 the place where mm. your family is from. Uh, and so everybody has a, a, a relationship to the bled and someone who comes f- directly from there is a bledard. And bledard might also be huh. an insult for someone who is not uh, adjusted to a French urban life yet. So there is this sort of attraction rejection that is very interesting with, with origins. Like uh, uh, you don't want to speak like a bledard, but at the same time, bled is the place that you would call home <laughs> even though you don't really know it that well. So I, I think it's a, it's a very mm-hmm. uh, interesting connection. Maybe you would have things similar with um, uh, Latino or Asian American communities, right? I, I, in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, like your family's mm-hmm. from Cuba, your family, etc. So, 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 so there is that. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think France is a country of assimilation and it's something that uh, the French uh, institutions are... They, 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 they say it with pride that France is a country that usually knows how to assimilate. So the idea is you might come from China, Italy, Spain, it doesn't matter, uh, Madagascar, whatever. You will come to France and you will adopt French culture. Your children are going to be born in France and be a French citizen like anybody else. And we are not going to mention anything to the origins or anything like that to the point that um uh, you see that a lot with interracial dating which is something that is quite seen as positive uh, in a french context mm-hmm. as a sign of assimilation so i remember uh, a few years ago i went to a french to an exhibition in a french museum in, in paris and it was about racism and there was this board with a very interesting uh, statistics and facts they were explaining that yes children of immigrants have to go through uh, uh, a lot of discrimination or more discrimination than anybody else but the vast majority of them marry someone 
from the general population. So it's all good. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So <laughs> I, I, you're saying some stuff that it's kind of setting off in my brain. <laughs> And I, I will admit it's a very American brain. So, you know, things get set off. Um, even so this idea though, like when you said someone always kind of has this home place, right? Whether, whatever it is, you know, before you got to the place, is there, I'm trying to reconcile that with the fact that people would still ask a black person in France though, where are you from? Right. So at what point do you stop being from Dakar, right? From Senegal and are just French. At what point does that happen? And let me tell you why I asked that question. Um, I love football. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I, I watched a lot of the conversation around the World oh, yeah. Cup, right? And I felt like this was part of the conversation when you looked at the team, right? At what point though, are you are you just French and you're no longer whatever country your family came from ah that's that's uh, you started to answer the question when you when you win the world cup then you are you are a person french that's that's the answer you you, you have to do something amazing to be a hundred no but but i i remember so just two things about that the first one is about a year ago I was uh, lucky to meet with an American journalist, Gene Demby. Uh, he came on one of my tours. He's the co-host of a podcast named uh, Code Switch. And I invited uh, yeah. I invited Gene uh, on my own podcast, Blue Chip, and we made a special episode in English. And at some point, we talked about uh, the French national team. And... Um, I, I, uh-huh. This conversation for me, uh, the conversation between Americans and French people about our team was like a car accident in slow motion for me because, <laughs> because, because I saw the way you guys on social media were excited about <laughs> our, our black African national team. And I knew that French people were not going to take it because the conversation here is so different. The only people would call them Africans here in France <laughs> right. were the far right. The only people right. would say, look at this African team. It was not like black Americans on Twitter being proud of them. It was like, this is a disgrace. We cannot go to the World Cup with such a black team. So right. when, when French people see online other people from from the outside whether they're black white whatever saying oh yeah look the african team won the world cup they're like how dare you and this is where from my point of view it is a lot of bs because 10 years ago when the team was very bad the players of the team were (laughs) on french media some french media called them is islamist thugs Mm mm-hmm Raka mm-hmm. Islamisé in French. And mm-hmm. then 10 years later, they win the World Cup. And whoever dares to question their national identity is a Nazi. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, calm down, calm down a minute. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but, but, but on, the, on, the, on the other side, when, when there is, for instance, the, the, the national, um, but the American basketball team doing great, no one is calling them an African team, even though 
the whole team is African American. They say, okay, that's that's the American right. team, and yeah. so so yeah. I, I I understand like from the from the the players' point of view, from the point of view of the French, the black French players, their reaction was very politically correct. They replied, "We are uh, players of the French national team who are very proud to represent uh, the national flag. Our only colors are blue, white, and red." Period. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be like a, a sort of <laughs> crazy conversation. Yeah. And and you know that's so different from the U.S., right? Like, mm. if if we black, we gonna tell y'all we black, and the black people did it, and that's just gonna be mm. that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and that that's. And I, I mean, part of it is uh, you, you've already said this in the beginning. Part of it is we have the media, we have the voice, we have the numbers compared to other groups. And yeah. so and of course, uh, there is a different history. There's there's some shared history, but there's a different history. And so how we, of course, look at race and achievement. I mean, we, we can see that even now happening with with Vice President elect Kamala Harris. Yes. Right. And I don't know how much you fall. I mean, I know you're on Twitter. I know you're on social media. So you see this stuff like you can see (laughs) the pride and and, and even taking it back further. Right. Barack Obama. Right. That when he became president, look, (laughs) yeah, didn't care where we didn't care where his black came from. (laughs) Okay, we made sure to say he was black. And and to be fair, he has a white mother. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's biracial. Yes. But, you know, we're 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 very comfortable with saying, you know, putting the race at the front. And so but I, I love that you gave that insight and just how it looks different in the way France approaches it. Right. Because, you know, we we wouldn't say it that way. We wouldn't be worried about that. I remember in 2008. Eight when Barack Obama was was uh, elected, I cried like a baby, uh, and I was very moved, obviously. And I remember also uh, white French people, some of them being moved and understanding how symbolic and historic it was, but also some people being sarcastic about it. You know, like yeah, but it's still an American president; it's not your president. Blah 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 blah. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel very. Uh, I, I, I feel a lot of empathy and solidarity with what is happening in black America uh, because I grew up looking up to, <laughs> I was going to say the Cosby show uh, with my family, but no, yeah, uh, but like other, <laughs> other things, but like, like a lot of, a lot of black greatness uh, come, comes from America, like a, a level of black excellence that is of course uh, an inspiration to to all of us to to the point that sometimes black french people uh would feel like in a way in the world of blackness it's the american narrative that takes much of the of the space to the point Mm. that we know in general i'm saying i I don't want to generalize too much but we Mm -hmm. know more about you that you Mm -hmm. know about us uh in in a way Mm -hmm. well and you know that's because our media is loud and global And we speak English. I think that's honestly, I think that's just the three things. I think it's just that that we have large numbers. We have an insane media machine and we happen to be English speaking. And and that's just no, you know, you know, that's that's not a slight to French, German, Swedish, whatever. It's just a lot of things have come together to make it. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, a lot of things have come together to make it that way. So this this brings me to a really good spot that I want to do with the lightning round, and I'm going to do it a little yes. bit different with you. I have Shoot. three questions, and yep. you have dropped you have dropped so much knowledge. So I want you to keep dropping knowledge. All right. <laughs> okay. So and 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 I I love this segue. So given all you've done, first question. If somebody just wanted to get a taste of understanding a little bit about Black, French, culture, history, literature, whatever, what's one book you would recommend? Uh, On the political uh, level, something short and old <laughs> i mean it's old it's from the 1950s it's discourse on colonialism by Aimé césaire uh Aimé césaire is, okay. a, is a poet and a politician from martinique uh, very important to us uh is one of the few uh black writers who is part of the french pantheon you know like the sort of all the mm-hmm. the legends of french culture is is, is part of uh, of them and it's a very harsh and honest and blunt uh discourse on yeah on french colonialism and and what it did to us and it's right after world war Two, and he's making a sort of brilliant case on uh on what colonialism gave to fascism which is a very very controversial <laughs> uh, statement in in the in the 1950s and something much more recent that is not a book but it's a movie it's a movie that came out 6 months ago in France and it's named tout simplement noir just simply black uh, and it's a mockumentary yeah. it's a fake fake documentary it's a comedy and it's about a young black actor who is unemployed, who is not really, is not really woke, but all of a sudden he's trying to make a, a march for black men, for black people to express their frustration <laughs> and their anger and how they need to be visible. Uh, he starts saying, in America, black people are respected. Uh, in France, we are just a joke, so I want to show them. And the whole movie is an exploration of black actors, black athletes, black uh, black intellectuals. So he's going to meet with real people who are playing their real parts. Mm. And it's just a sort of exploration of what is being black uh, in France in 2018, 2019. Uh, the reaction for the reception of the movie uh, was interesting because mainstream media were quite favorable uh, with the movie. They say, okay, it's interesting. They have some fair points. Um, Black French activists, some of them got somehow offended because he's also making fun <laughs> of of uh, some activists uh, in the in the movie. But for mm-hmm. an outsider, I think watching this movie, and I think there will be a, a global uh, adaptation, global release, that the movie will be uh, dubbed and hopefully sometime soon it will be on Netflix or on some streaming uh, platform. Uh, but I think for, for, uh, for uh, an outsider, uh, it's a, a, gr- a great way to understand what are the, the questions and the issues Issues uh, for for the black community, especially when it comes to media, but also dealing with the police and politics and a lot of different things. Tout simplement noir. Okay, I got it. I make it. I've made notes. It's going to be in the show notes. Okay. Second question. Second question. 
if you are coming to Paris for the first time and you just want to get a snippet of black culture in Paris, what's neighborhood, what neighborhood or quartier would you recommend for someone to go? Oh, um, it's a complex question because the nightlife is not really organized as it would be in a big American city. What I mean is you don't have uh, a tradition of Black-owned business in a Black neighborhood that is a Black club. You have like places scattered around where young Black people would go, like bars and nightclubs and stuff like that. But I don't think there's one neighborhood that would really be like the neighborhood of the Black nightlife. Uh, Now that I I said that, uh, there is a, a bar that I like a lot. It's a Martinique bar. Uh, it's named Le Beau. It's in the Latin Quarter, which is actually not... Mm-hmm. I mean, the Latin Quarter is like the intellectual neighborhood for a very, 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 very long time uh, in Paris. And it's also a neighborhood where a lot of Black intellectuals used to live uh, in the 1900s. So I think symbolically, even though right now it's a very... Uh, uptight bourgeois neighborhood i think as a matter of <laughs> yeah let's let's be in a neighborhood where we're not expected i think uh, uh boo is dope and it's a place where you will find a lot of young black people who are there to drink amazing rum uh in a really cool uh, environment it's a safe space you can speak creole it's dope sweet third question if you wanted to be introduced to some really good contemporary Black French musical artist, whether it's R&B, soul, pop, hip hop, rap, whatever, who would you recommend for someone to listen to? Oof, too many. Uh, at least five. <laughs> at least five. Okay. Give, give us your five. Who are your five? Uh, I would say right now at the moment there is uh, she's not French actually she's from Belgium but like you know Belgian artists it's like Canadians to us they are part of our industry so and uh, <laughs> right now like a Belgian because I'm, I'm, I'm just laughing because I've never thought of like Americans thinking like the Canadians to us but I immediately knew what you meant <laughs> sorry it was just a funny thought like, Drake being the biggest American star when he's Canadian right Right, 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 right. That's so fair. That's fair. Young female artist. Uh, her name is Luz and the Yakuza. And so she's uh, Congolese and one from Rwanda, but she also grew up in, in Belgium. And she um, is like a rising star. She's uh, She just released her her last al- her first album, a debut album, a few weeks ago. Uh, she was on Jimmy Fallon, uh, but you know, um, like on, mm-hmm. on the internet, like not not there for real because you can't travel at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but she she just yeah. um, uh, came, uh, released her, her first debut album. It's named uh, Gore. And Luzen the Yakuza is so talented. She's she's really 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 cool. Uh, even her aesthetics is quite powerful. So I would recommend uh, Luz. Uh, as a, a rapper, uh, rappers, I would say uh, Isha. Isha I S H A is also from Belgium, uh, and he has a song about um, Europeans arriving to Congo, and it feels a little bit like the lyrics. It's a little bit like if it was 
aliens coming to Earth and invading the planet. But it's from the point of view of a young <laughs> African man who's like 15, 16 year old. And the lyrics are beautiful and sad at the moment, but the music is a beat. And I think it's at the same time conscious and you feel like dancing on it at the same time. And it's beautiful and very, very, uh, very beautiful. And last but not least, uh, I think he's a legend. He's like the biggest French rapper for 20, 25 years. His name is Booba. Uh, and he's a French rapper who is a mm-hmm. sort of, you don't have so many uh, rappers who have like a 20 years uh, career and are still very relevant, especially for the younger generation of hip hop. So if you listen to the whole discography of, of Booba, you have like a feeling of the evolution of French rap these past 20, 25 years. And you get to see that it's quite mm dense and amazing i don't like everything he does but he's so big you you cannot talk about french rap without mentioning booba oh my gosh you've given us a list of things that i gotta i gotta put in the notes oh my gosh thank you so much for all that information <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome you you gave multiple answers for every question. It was never one. I was like, okay, I've got to read this book, this book, this artist, this whatever. And so, um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. You have dropped the knowledge. Um, thank you so much I just for appreciate you being here. And so, no problem. And so, we're going to have... <laughs> oh, and I, I'm, we're going to drop the information to Le Palais Noir yes. on the website as well as in the notes, as well as your social media so that when we are able to travel, people will be able to link up with you when they get to Paris, because I know that the kind of folks that listen in love this sort of stuff. And so I want to make sure you get your shine. <laughs> yeah. And, and you will be surprised, but I miss Americans. Like I've not, I've not interacted with, with American clients for like eight months now. And I, and as a French person, I, I never thought I would say that, but I miss Americans. Paris is not the same without Americans looking for stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, we're kind of like, you know what we're like? We're like that drunk cousin, right? Like you, when they're around, you're like, oh my God, my drunk cousin is loud and annoying. But then you don't see them for a while and you're like, I miss that fool. Like yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. us. I'm, I'm okay with that. That's us. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. And I will catch you all on the next time. All right. The Global Chatter from the Black Expat is hosted by me, Amanda Bates. It is executive produced by Justin Williams. You can find all episodes of The Global Chatter on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.